0: The next thing I knew, there was Nino, 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 literally all flashing lights and goodness knows what.
1: Welcome to Rewire, a new podcast series from EG in which we'll be meeting people from a whole range of backgrounds within real estate. In this first episode, we meet Katie Kopeck, a woman who is celebrating her 35th year at JLL. She is the woman who brought some of the country's most exciting developments to life. From when Docklands was just that to transforming King's Cross, striking gold at Stratford and much, much more. Listen in to find out how horses, Harleys and a hairy situation at an industrial estate keep Katie enthusiastic about life, work and real estate. So joining me in the EG podcast you did today is Katie Kopech, um who is International Director at JLL, JLL I can't even say it. <laughs> J- I've got cold apologies to the listeners out there. Um, and we're here because we're celebrating really, because um, you would not know it to look at Katie. Oh. But she has been with JLL for 35 very happy, I'm sure, years. Yes, absolutely happy. Um, Katie, tell us one how did you uh, start your career at JLL, and and what's kept you in this industry for so long? Okay, I'm,
0: I'm delighted. I I um I wasn't born to be a surveyor. It wasn't something that I was you know thought that that's my the role I wanted to be in. And actually, um, at school, um, we weren't really encouraged to do very much. Not least go to university and study. Having gone to a convent school, that sort of suggested that you became a nurse or a teacher. Um, and so. I applied um, for various places um, to study um, I did dentistry, um, all sorts of things, because I looked at my father, who was a doctor, and all the people around him, and the ones that made the most money, which is a bit you know, sad but true. <laughs> um, but then I didn't get the A-level grades I needed to do any of that, and I started to work for a firm uh, in Reading, where I come from, called Gibbs Neely, which was a commercial firm of surveyors, and I literally was the office junior. I also was a chauffeur for a while because the boss actually lost his licence, but did quite a lot of work and it really got the bug. So as a result of that, I decided I definitely wanted to get qualified. So I went to Polytechnic of Central London, which is now the University of Westminster, which sounds a lot better. (laughs) Um, And from there... I was due to go back to Gibson Ely to work um, once I had done my degree, Um, but I went on the milk round of interviews and went to Jones Lang Wooten, as it was there, and had an interview and they offered me a job, and there and then, which was extraordinary. Um, And because I was studying in London, still at PCL, um, I thought, well, going back to Reading seems a bit of a you know, not not really what I want to do. So I stayed, and and I've been there ever since. Wow.
1: Now this might be a hard question to answer, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it anyway. Why do you think? What was it in you that they saw that they offered you the job th- right there and then? I
0: think that. Um I'm extremely enthusiastic. And once I've really committed to something, I really do commit and get on with it. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I've been around in in this business for for 35 years. And and doing the development side of business, where things take a long time, you have to be pretty passionate to be able to see those things through. Um, And certainly, I think that that's one of the things um, that they saw in me was just... Um, you know a real passion to get involved and and and, and learn mm-hmm. I, I, I'm uh, all for learning it's one of the things that I tell all of, all of my colleagues is that if you, as soon as you stop learning then you should move on and do something that you do and we've even got a, a sort of team hashtag which is keep learning <laughs> um, which is you know really from my perspective Um, And through the JLL world, I have been able to do a variety of different things, which have kept me challenging and given me the opportunity to work with some of the best people in the business. Mm. And that's that's what
1: keeps me motivated and that's what keeps me doing what I do so, so let's talk about some of those things so you get offered the job day one you say yeah okay I'm not going back to Reading I'll stay stay in London and have some have some fun what did you start off doing at J L and, and what was the career path to where you are today I started in management
0: Um, which in those days to get qualified um, you still had to do what was called a TPC Um, and actually within the management team that I was working on it allowed me to stay for two years in the same job in effect because I was doing professional work so buying and selling buildings that were adjacent to the management portfolio that I was part of. Um, It and as a result of that, um, I did two years there. But I was desperate after two years in management um, to get out. Really, it wasn't
1: really what I wanted to be doing. It's quite hard to be enthusiastic in management. Well,
0: I tell you, it was it was it was fun, and you learned. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about people, mm. um, t- and I always laugh at myself. But I still remember to this day. I used to manage the Langham Estate, which is just north of Oxford Street, and when I was based in Hanover Square, a came to reception with a bucket of water in his hand to say, Katie, my roof is leaking. <laughs> so you got to deal with people on a day to day basis like that. It was and it was fabulous. I really learnt a lot. I learnt a lot about the, the basic real estate stuff as well, how the buildings worked, um, all of the, you know, lease renewals, rent reviews, all the professional side, all of the valuation stuff, which is why I didn't have to have a stint in valuation. And it also gave me a complete mix of uses, um, which I really enjoyed doing. Um, and I think from that, I really wanted to go into something which I wanted. I went from there into agency, actually, office agency and. Um, And I was doing the Western Corridor. um, And then it was decided that we should set up a development team, um, which I was part of, and it was myself and and an associate who set up that team. um, Because the the reason behind, and the logic is still the same today, the sooner you get involved, the more more downstream revenue you can create through leasing and selling the building. So, yeah, the first deal I ever did was a site in Slough, opposite the station, uh, which was BT were in it, or O2. Um, it's now been demolished and <laughs> starting <laughs> again, that's a, which is, you know again, a bit of the, the length of tenure when you see buildings that have been 25 years let and they, and they come to their end. <laughs> so that's, uh, but that, and that really started me off. So from doing basic development work, which was buying and selling land for offices, um, I then uh, got much more into the consulting and research side And then um, Docklands came along. Mm. And so what fun that was. So we set up an office um, in Docklands before Canary was built. In fact, we were in the dock down called Heron Keys, And I literally felt pile by pile, all day, every day, the piles of Canary. And it was like the whole development around there was just fantastic. If you were into development, it mm. was just brilliant. It was I was like a kid in a candy shop. I used to really love going there. And, you know, really extraordinary things like being evacuated because they came across bombs and or You know, it was just, it was really, really exciting times. And I look there, in fact, I was at the Royals only last week on a tour of the Royals with the GLA, um, which is it's still it's about to happen and now the abp schemes happening but i look back at canary and i just think wow i remember when you know there was limehouse studios on there which was a black box there was nothing else hmm. and and to be honest i i feel slightly proud for that because i was part of seeing what that you feel more work. than
1: slightly proud yeah. you well
0: yes but there are many other schemes that have got a bit of me in around the place <laughs> as well and uh, yeah so we did docklands um I then moved back and actually, I, I although it was development-driven, I moved back, we shut the Docklands office because we went went through a bit of a teeth of a recession, if you recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still maintained the Docklands agency work, but I also became um, the sort of first client relationship manager for BT. And the reason why I did that was they were in downsize mode big time. So they had a, a, a depot and a telephone exchange in sort of every every town in the country. And it's the, and none of them were talking to each other. So the portfolio was getting massive. In fact, when I first started to work for them, they didn't know what they had. Wow. Um, and so what my role was to help them um, shrink, basically, and, and consolidate into fewer buildings, uh, which obviously many of them had a development bias to. It. So so that's why I, I, I was with BT. Um, I then came back to the West End office because that was based in the city um, and we started to do much more of the big regeneration work then so uh, you know beyond Canary so Greenwich Peninsula um, we advised um, the government at the time for what to do with Greenwich Peninsula once the Jubilee line had gone there and we actually advised on the Jubilee Line to go south to Greenwich because originally it was rooted to go from Canary directly up to Stratford. Mm. So we did some of the research to prove the uplift in value that you could create and also a new piece of city that you could create if you actually took it under the r- river twice. So a big additional cost. Um, to go to Greenwich, so that was that was really exciting. So we did all of that. We we, we sold the Millennium Dome, which you, if you recall was uh, a huge political hot potato. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very challenging. Um, but look how wonderful it is all now. I mean, uh, you know, it's the best best um, AEG operation in the in the world now. Um, so is the O2. So you know that was very interesting. Um, I then. We started to get involved then in Stratford and and the Olympics Um, and, you know, that was amazing. I don't think we, we we spent more time doing the master plan if we didn't get the Olympics than if we did because it was pretty, at the time, everyone thought that Paris would get it and of course they've got it in 2022. So it it is it was amazing so i'm i'm a complete sports fan Hmm. um and so to actually combine your your you know the your work life and your passion for what you do with your other passion which is sport in one place i really loved that i thought that was fantastic um and so you know we did quite a lot um I was at the ODA a couple of days a week when they were first formed with with, uh, the Olympic Delivery Authority to talk about legacy, so looked at legacy for both the um, press and media centre and for the stadium itself, uh, what to do with it. Um, And that also got me, we selected Lendlease to do the um, village, and we're still working still advising and leasing uh the international quarter um so you know that is a long in a way it's really proven by getting in very early mm. you can you can be involved in making these great places
1: with the um development projects that um we're only ha- really halfway not even halfway through the ones that you've been involved with yeah. aren't we? um do you does your sort of passion for them continue because they are? Um, projects that are never really, really finished. There's always something more to be done there. You know, you talked about ongoing work at Stratford, uh, Canary Wharf, the Docklands is forever growing, isn't it? Yes,
0: I think so. I mean, uh, another great example and a place that, uh, that again, has got a bit of me in it is King's Cross because we selected Argent to be the developer at King's Cross, again, uh, for London and Continental Railways, and that was about 2000. Now... What I really enjoyed about King's Cross was just the mix of uses. And I think that's where things have really changed, is, you know, before you used to have very singular use type of developments. You had a, resi- a residential development and you had an office development and you had you know, a retail development, but very rarely were they combined mm-hmm. as a normal city would combine them. Um, and that was the beauty really with King's Cross. It was very hard to find anyone had mixed-use development experience. Um, Argent had done Brindley Place in Birmingham, but when you looked at many of the other developers of the the caliber to be able to deliver something as big as 56 acres of London, um, there were it was a handful of people that you could really honestly go to because mixed use just was not what they wanted to be doing. You know, the residential, the, the commercial, it was like oil and water. Um, and, and you know, the residential developers are very much more involved in... Um, you know, it's a, it's a faster flowing cash flow type of business, but the long term nature of creating places uh, on the commercial sense is very different. So the mindsets can be very different. Mm. To, to get that right is, is, is quite key, but, but that's, a, that's a lot of fun, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy doing that
1: and a lot of these development sites i'm sure have issues that go that go with them you know king's cross is well, is not an easy place to develop do you um enjoy as well those conversations with um sort of i guess selling the the idea of of what could be there
0: absolutely and and that's the the bit that i think also we've got better at um and i would say that wouldn't i but we are now much better at doing a bit of research about what things will work and where demand's coming from and what the future looks like you simply cannot and and the accelerator is getting faster and faster in change you simply cannot look at what you did yesterday and think i can do that tomorrow Mm. it's just not on so so actually doing some proper insightful work as to what those changes are that you need to respond to is really, really important. And I think we're much better at doing that now. I think we we haven't been. And as an industry, you think about the amount of money we do spend on R&D by comparison to a lot of our, you know, a, a lot of other uh, areas of, of the business world. And it's still very little by comparison to the numbers that you're talking about mm. a completed development. So we are, we are getting better at that but uh, and, and it's that cocktail and understanding the relationship between the uses which i think is really really interesting and it, and the places that you make and what makes a great place and why people want to go back there you know that's what success is all about as far and interestingly you get those bits right And the value follows. Hmm. So you don't have to necessarily come at it entirely, um, always from the value proposition. Um, You know, some deals that you do which create place don't actually make you much money, but you earn it because the rest of the place is made and you'll earn it on the other uses that do. I mean, I remember running the numbers at King's Cross on the offices at £35 in the appraisals. And they're now just pushing about about ninety, just hmm. under ninety. And so that you know that just shows you what you can achieve by making a great place. And and it's on it's on the map now. Place people go there not just to you know to work, but they go there because of the wonderful um, uh, uh, opportunity and the environment that has been created is really super. Yeah, and that's that's pleasing, yeah. very
1: pleasing. Have you
0: been to Coldrops? Yeah. I haven't. I have it's, to put my hand up and uh, say uh, I haven't. I have. I was invited, but I couldn't make it. But it is super. It's always been so exciting to see something different. And I think that's what they've done really well, is that the retailing in there is all different. Mm. Um, and the food and beverage, the F&B, it... it it, it makes you want to go back because it's all constantly changing as well, which I think is, you know, we've got to get a lot better at curating these places and making them, you know, a constant delight, really, because that's what means people will return, is because they enjoy being in that space. I remember walking up; I, I would not walk on my own up York Road.
1: Yeah, no, me. I went to City University in um, in the early two thousands and uh, used to. Um, live not far from there and it was it was horrible it's, it was absolutely
0: really it, it horrible. was a no go area and you felt vulnerable um. Which was, you know, now it. it that's why it, it's all the. No, all you the don't better. feel cool enough. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> yes, it's a different generation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's good because it's shown the test of time. If the if the young cool things are enjoying it, um, as a result of some stuff
1: that the oldies have done, and I'm <laughs> all for it. <laughs> so, so we've talked about um, docklands. We've talked about Stratford and Kings Cross. Um, and Greenwich, yes. I almost forgot Greenwich. Uh, you are now involved in Canada Water. Yes, the the next big yes. big area of London to be regenerated. How can you talk us through? I guess um, some of the lessons um, that you've learned along the way that you're putting into practice with um, Canada Water.
0: Yes, I th- and I think that it's great to have the opportunity, and and these big regeneration schemes that are in single control and therefore can be delivered in uh, and managed properly is really really important so the attention to the actual management is really key I also think that we still need to make the effort not to think about the uses in silos so actually to have an umbrella and, and in, a, in a way that's part of my role an umbrella across all of the uses to make sure that they all Generate the sort of activity and the sort of place that you want, because there is always a temptation to, um, you know, not be brave about mixing, m- mixing uses. You know, you need flexibility even with the buildings themselves these days. You know, you don't. I don't think necessarily think that that building needs to stay an office building forever. Mm. You know, so you need to think much more. And I think the industry is, is getting much better at, at dealing with that generally speaking
1: and mm. um, we've talked about how um development sites and how we think about development might evolve how about how do you think the um the industry has changed over the the time that you've been in it but in terms of um obviously we've become a lot better in development of doing mixed use i think we've still got some way to go yeah, as, as you say yep. um and then there's there's the business that, that we're in as well, of, of real estate, of agency, I'm sure, um, that uh, 35 years ago, there probably weren't that many women in the industry. Now we're seeing a lot more of them, which is, is great. Um, it, ha, ha, how has your um, story and growth been within the industry and how do you see it now for, um, you know, mini mini Katie Kopetz coming through?
0: Yeah, um, there has been a huge change for the better. Um, and it, it was interesting I, I along my professional career I also had three kids um, and they're all old now I'm not gonna say how old um, but they uh, you know so I, I um, there, there wasn't really a maternity policy and being a partner it was a first lady agency partner and also <laughs> one of the first that they had to write into the contract that I was allowed to have maternity <laughs> leave so things have changed yep. quite a lot um, and so and, and lots of, of simple things much for the better and um, I think it's absolutely fundamental that we see the diversity across not just gender but generally. But let's stick with the, uh, the gender diversity piece. We cannot survive in our industry unless we continue to diversify and get more women, in particularly in senior positions within the business, and properly reflect our customer base. You know that's that's the thing is that by not having that the the different way that women think about things as part of the built environment because half of the population is female that lives in that built environment then we're just pretending Mm. to you know and so I there has been a lot of change it's a, a lot higher in people's agendas now um which is really really good um I think that we still we still need to do more um but there are lots of um opportunities to do that and I think that in many organizations within our industry that the senior leadership is is definitely on side now I can certainly say that from a JLL point of view and I think the thing now is to make sure that that percolates all the way down the business um, so that at every level um, it's something that people are thinking about because it's very easy to carry on doing what you've always been yeah. doing and some people don't like change Um, but and I'm passionate really about making sure that the bright young things um, do rise up the business and are suitably promoted fast enough Um, we are forever as women I think not being uh, we don't push ourselves perhaps as much as we should we sort of think that we need to be a hundred percent ready before we do the next thing when actually you know we are ready at 60 percent you know and, and actually we're pretty that, good at
1: winging it really aren't well we? and we are very good at winging <laughs> it
0: and and the, but the thing that I, I I think that's an interesting point I think that we have to give people more opportunity to do that because um I, I you know more and more the talent that you see both male and female just needs to be pushed they, and they want to be pushed, and I think we you know we as an industry and as a business and someone who's passionate about what you do, I just love delegating to people because then I don't have to do so much myself, <laughs> so you know the more we can pull them up and give them th- challenging things to do, the better we will make our industry and our business and that's male and female did you have someone who did that for
1: you who pushed you or pulled you up
0: um, a combination of people actually through my career um the the um a uh, chap who ran our agency business, who pulled me out of management. Um, thank goodness, because otherwise I was I was going I wasn't going to stay. I couldn't stay in that environment. I didn't enjoy it anymore. Um, so he was very special. Um, and then a number of other people. And I would, uh, I I used to have and still do have mentors both internally in JLL and externally and I would advocate everyone doing that is mm-hmm. really good even um, after
1: 35 years you well
0: I learn from the people I meant I'm I am a mentor to people mm-hmm. and I learn loads from them yeah. so from my perspective I do it, it it's it, it's it's selfish really <laughs> I hope that they can learn from me but I sure as I sure love learning from them and I think that that's really yeah you know, really nice I would say don't do have someone in your media area because you don't know what you don't know. So get some, somebody else out there um, that, that can help you and give you a broader perspective um, and that's really where I come from. You know, the, the, I, I'm a, a big picture, strategic type person. The nitty gritty is. So I need to be able to keep that broad horizon in, in what I do, because mm. that's what keeps me challenged. Um, so going and working in, in you know, abroad, I, w- I was in Riyadh not long ago. Now there's a challenge from a diversity point of view <laughs> with my black buyer on. Um, but fantastic and so different. Um, And so you really do get to understand all of the different ways. Uh, And China, you know, the cities in China, Shenzhen, fantastic city, about an hour out of Hong Kong. It's 30 million people and it's 30 years. I mean, we haven't finished Canary yet in 30 years. Yeah. And they've built... All of this, you know, the whole new city, it's just remarkable and I love it. It's, that's the thing that really gives you the buzz and, and learning from how they do it. I mean, obviously, it's completely distance, different systems and processes, but the scale of the ambition is what I think is remarkable. And that's, I think, we in the UK sometimes don't really take pick, pick our head up and look at the scale of the ambition. Um, and you know there are opportunities for some big sites um, where that scale c- could be delivered, and I don't think we should fr- be frightened of it.
1: Hmm. So is that one of the things that you that you love in in your job as well? That you do get to travel and see and see these amazing yes. ideas all around the world.
0: Yes, I do. I, I in fact I I'd, I'd, I'd love to do more of it, but uh, it, it's obviously driven on the back of the jobs that I do, um, which is great. And But we're very keen and it, it's absolutely fundamentally important that a business like ours, which is a global business, actually means it. Mm. And so you do need to know, and I've got colleagues that do what I do around the globe, and we're constantly trading information, trying to look what best practice is, what's worked, what hasn't worked, because unless we do that, then We are uh, forever going to be in yesterday, I would say. And so um, that's, I really, really enjoy. And those colleagues are people that I've worked with as well. So when I go for a job, it's not like it's the first time we've met, you know, we actually do, you know, really, really get down and understand those important things that what makes, you know, what's a transformational project in your neck of the woods and how can we learn from it? And what didn't work? You know that's you you learn a lot from the things that don't work, you know, put the infrastructure in first, you know difference between la défense and canary yeah you know it all helps when you learn those sorts
1: of lessons I think we in this um there was this warm room that we sat in yes it is. Uh, <laughs> um we very often talk about um uh how um fa- failure is um is is not a bad thing, but in real estate it's quite hard for people to. Um take that on board, I guess because you know it's it's bricks and mortar, and it's you can't you can't build it wrong mm. um because that's very expensive yes. and uh, um but there are great le- well the only lessons to be learnt are from from failure so um hearing you talk about you know things that weren't right and how 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 you um love that is great so um my long winded question is um throughout your career what do you think are the the greatest lessons that you've learned maybe from from those things that didn't quite go to plan i think um
0: you have to have especially on the development side you have to be able to stick with it and 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 you have to be able to work with a whole range of different skills and combine them and in some cases um it's the ability to be able to bring those skills and ideas together, which is the sort of cocktail for success. And I think that tenacity and the real rigour back a bit to the research side again, as to what success looks like, is is really, really important. So Tenacity, I think, is one of the things that I've learnt. Um, and tenacity from a diversity point of view as well. You know, going up through the, the ranks, <laughs> call them ranks, within JLL was not an easy thing to do. Um, and it got the air got rarer as you went up. Um, and so, again, you know, persistence and keep doing excellent stuff and you'll get recognised for it. Um, And to try and make a difference, you know, not to conform, (laughs) to be a bit bold and and think a little bit differently. Um, All of those things together, I think have have been great learnings for me. And the people, that's why I stay in the business. Mm -hmm. There's so many people to learn from and to share and to actually use as part of your own development, but you learn from each other. And I think that it's the people in our industry um, that have some extraordinary um, opportunities to shape cities and and all of that, which I find fascinating. Mm.
1: Really. Um, So people, we should learn a little bit more about um, Katie as a person. Um, You mentioned earlier you're a big sports fan. Yes. Um, Any sport in particular? I ride
0: horses which is a very expensive thing to do, so I wouldn't necessarily advocate that. <laughs> and My daughter does as well, which is my fault completely. Um, I also, That's why you have to keep working. That's why I have to keep working. Really, the truth is out now. It's <laughs> <laughs> to feed the horses. Um, so that's my main passion, but I've got... Um, Two boys and a girl. So Lizzie um, rides, but the boys were all uh, rugby and football people. Um, More into rugby than football, it has to be said. Um, I also... My husband is a motorbike fan, and so I... And we do go on holiday on the back of Harley. I just got back um, in September. We did 2,500 miles from New Orleans up to Chicago on a Harley, which was fantastic. Last year, we did... um, from LA across to the Grand Canyon up to Vegas and then back down the Pacific Coast on the back of a Harley. So, yeah, I do silly things like that, which I absolutely love. The great outdoors is is, is really my friend as well.
1: Great outdoors with a really loud motorbike. So. <laughs> yes, really loud. Fantastic. So are you, have you got all the patches on your on your leather jacket? Uh, yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> So that's um sport and outdoor pursuits. How about um, music? What mu- kind of music are you into? I'm a bit of a rock chick, it has to be said. You ha- if you're riding on the back yeah, of a Harley. Yeah, I know. And so that was one of the beautiful things that
0: we did when we went from New Orleans up to Chicago was all through the different music genres that we went through. And uh, we went to studios and saw where Still Crazy after all these years was written by Paul Simon and all that sort of stuff. So, I, yeah, I'm a bit of an old fuddy-duddy when it comes to music. I'm not into the modern stuff. Stuff that much although having young children I, I, I do listen but you're yeah.
1: forced to listen you know, to. No, no,
0: Well, I, I, I love music I, my I'm surrounded I'm not necessarily I'm not a musical person I don't play but my husband plays guitar my kids um, play a guitar uh, clarinet saxophone they are, and piano, you know, it's a lovely gift to have, actually, mm. to be able to sit down and play the piano for fun. I, I envy
1: that, but it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to listen. And, and so the most, the two most recent holidays, both in the States there, is that because of the bike, or is the States a favourite place to holiday? I like
0: the States. Um, we, ha- I have done South Africa as well, so we did a bit of the garden route on a bike, nice. so the theme continues. But to be honest, I, I love i'm i'm a complete i I love going to new places which is why obviously i like working in these different cities um sometimes working in cities is tough though because you never get to see the city you just see one hotel room and one meeting room and and then you're back again but i i and you know africa as a whole is a place i'd really like to, to to get to know better than i do um so there's lots of places on my on my wish list of to visit, so yeah, you know, I anticipate that travel will be quite an important part of uh, what I want to do in the future.
1: And and we should talk about the future. So thirty five years has gone. Will there be another thirty five years? Or, and uh, you know, where do you I live that long? <laughs> <laughs> um, we all have to work that long now. Sadly, <laughs> that's right. Um, and you know, how, where do you see um, the world of real estate of development um, going in in the in the future?
0: I think we are learning much more about how to do these things better than we have done in the past. But I do think that there is so, so much potential disruption across the whole of our industry that we're going to have to keep moving quite fast. So I think development will have to respond a lot more. You're going to have to have much more easy in, easy out space. You're going to have to manage things better. You're going to have to really work hard at that customer experience from whoever is paying you rent or whatever uh, no matter whether they're in an office building or a shop or a residential we are all going to have to be much better at that service delivery piece um, and we're going to have to You know, wake up to the fact that we're not going to be able to sign up all of our tenants for as long a period as we're used to, um, which has an impact on on the investment side and how all of that plays. I think it's very exciting, though. I I don't see that from from someone who wants to see places made. More flexibility makes them quicker, Um, and I think that you know that whole experience and the merging of work and Living and everything else is going to have to be reflected in the places that we make. Um, And that's the way the industry's got to go in the future. We can't just be um, relying on the past to educate Mm. us at all. Mm.
1: And and then finally, um, for that person out there who maybe hasn't got um, um, the grades to go and be a dentist, or maybe they have, but um, what would you... Um, say to them if or to get to convince so them to be. I am so glad I didn't be a dentist. I wasn't, I'm so glad I couldn't bear it. It would, would be quite awful and just looking in people's mouths. Oh, it day. would be. I don't know what possessed me to even think I could. But anyway, <laughs> I just what uh, why why go into real estate? I guess from
0: my perspective, the the you know, uh, and I think it's probably um, you know part of my uh, uh, DNA. And you know, talked a little bit. I love the outdoors. Um, and that was somewhere where you could be and you do get to get outdoors and do stuff. Um, so that was an important ingredient from my point of view. The idea of being desk bound is just not me. So that takes cut out quite a lot of the, you know, those sorts of things. That certainly the the legal and accountancy and the other professional services. And
1: quite a lot of people would think real estate is quite desk bound with, with-
0: Yes, but I think it's as deathbound as you make it, really. Um, you know, I loved it when I was doing management uh, originally because I was out and about, having to look at look at the buildings all over the place. Nearly got arrested in going into one once there as well. You know, that's, There's that's a great story fun. there. There is a story there. Share it. Yeah. Well, we we had a an industrial estate by the airport, and one of the tenants hadn't been paying for ages and ages and ages, and I thought I was round there, so I'll just go. Um, and see what was going on. And uh, so I went to the said industrial estate, and I didn't actually realise that this particular industrial unit was being staked out by the police because they thought something odd was going on. Mm. So when I tipped up, and I had some keys and went in, the next thing I knew, there was Nino, (laughs) Nino, Nino, literally all flashing lights and goodness knows what. And... um, they came running into the industrial unit, which was stacked with stuff. I didn't. I don't know what it was, but it obviously... I mean, whether or not... I, I don't know what it was. But anyway, it was... Uh, I had to explain very quickly, I'm only the managing agent. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, before they got the handcuffs out, which was... Entertaining,
1: it still makes me smile. (laughs) So it's not a mugshot circling around somewhere.
0: (laughs) No, well, well, not as far as you Not that I'm aware of.
1: (laughs) Harley's criminal (laughs) (laughs) record—it's all stacking up now. Now we know the real Katie (laughs) (laughs) Copac.